Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. made about you who is playing you <laughs> Danny DeVito <laughs> Sportscast SA presents Game On Game On South Australia's destination for everything sports local national and international sports AFL football soccer basketball golf baseball tennis cricket and any other sports played in this wide world and we're gonna have a blast doing it so sit back relax and let's do this thing welcome Welcome to game on Hi and welcome to episode two of the Game On podcast. My name's Pete Matthews, I'm one of your hosts today and um, today is actually World Inbox Zero Day. Um, yeah, hi Pete, Malcolm Ashwood. Uh, yeah, World Inbox Zero, I don't think I'd ever pass that particular day. I think I'd fail that day dismally. Neither would I. Uh, unfortunately, I have too many emails to go through at any one time. Well, for me, it's probably Facebook Messenger and that sort of stuff as well, so it's a bit of both. Around the Grounds. So to kick off today's uh, topics, uh, the start of the Sheffield Shield, Malcolm? Oh, look, as a South Australian supporter, it's the most exciting day of the year because it's the year, it's the day when we're equal top. And let's face it, as a Redback supporter, that generally doesn't last to, to, uh, for too long. So. Yep. Uh, Sheffield Shield this coming week at Karen Rolton Old yep. Oval, yes. Playing, yep. playing Victoria, yep. so for the uh, David Hooks uh, Shield. Uh, you know, it's a trophy both teams take pretty seriously in terms of that regard. Um, so the first Shield game, WA New South Wales, just about to be completed as we speak, and Western Australia are going to uh, come out winners, comfortable winners there in their first game at at home and on the third day, and yeah, they've bowled New South Wales out pretty cheaply in both innings, and they only need eighty-five to win, and they're one for fifty as we speak. Yep. What's the uh, what's the one thing we need to obviously do to, to to bring home a win? 
I look, it was interesting hearing Jason Gillespie tonight talking about we've got to improve our slips catching. I, I agree with that, uh, but I think we've just got to actually, I think it more goes back to batting and batting some partnerships. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, for South Australia. Certainly getting off to a good start is is the key, isn't it? You know, you, you get out of the blocks, build a couple of uh, partnerships and away you go. We need we need uh, Henry Hunt. had a very good year last year, tied with Travis Jean for the uh, Victoria. They both play against each other this game, obviously, and for the Sheffield Shield Player of the Year last year. Mm-hmm. And we need him and Jake Weatherall to get us away to a start. Yep. And Alex Carey, uh, you know, coming back. When he's not on national duties, of course. Yeah, I think he'll bat five, um, and Travis will bat four, Carter at three. Uh, I think Jake Lehman will bat six. So, yeah, we'll wait to see tomorrow. Sort of building a nice little squad there, and hopefully they can get it done and get the season off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, then you, uh, Drew, who made 100 in the last Shield game last year, is, isn't playing. Now, I, I admit I've... Haven't managed to find out around the traps whether he is injured or hasn't been picked. If he hasn't been picked, I'm dumbfounded. Sure. So we'll keep an eye. I might know that hopefully before the end of the show. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Uh, the big news of the week, and you being a basketball man, is the Adelaide 36ers win in the Suns in, in America. Unbelievable. Um, you know, they... they have a, a successful blitz series here in Australia. Um, you know, had some pretty good solid hitouts, and they head over there as a bit of a pre-season trip, and all of a sudden they uh, find themselves up against a, a star-studded uh, lineup. You know, it is the American preseason over there, so you would have thought that they might have, uh, you know, trundled out a couple of their project players to, to see, but no, they had their no, full full, full uh, of of their best stars. Uh, I saw a little stat the other day, which was absolutely crazy. Obviously, Australia creating sporting uh, history with the first team yep. to to win uh, against a, an NBA team, but you know their entire payroll two hundred seventy million dollars, yeah. um, and the the NBL um, salary cap is one point seven, yeah, which is absolutely astonishing. I mean, it's it's almost that Moneyball uh, type setup, isn't it? Well, it's mind boggling. It's it's. It's almost the equivalent of a you know an amateur league side defeating the Crows. Yes, or poor. It's it's along those lines in terms of that. You know, it's I an mean, extraordinary result. You get some uh, you know people over in America, especially commentators, saying you know this is the second best league in the world. Um, we've probably proved it during uh, Olympics and and mm. and trials and 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 friendlies and. And any other matches that they've got going on, and, and I think they just went out there and, and free wheeled and, and unbelievably played perfectly. Yeah, look, it, it was obviously a free flying game. I think it was one hundred and thirty four, one hundred and twenty four. Correct. Yes, yeah. it was indeed. Uh, Randall uh, the second thirty five points with nice. some absolutely massive threes. Now, will we, will um, will going we down the straight, get him, get him back. Will yep. he? Will he then get signed up over there? You know, it's. Uh, Seen on the scary. news tonight, he's spoken with a half a dozen NBA teams yeah. since that. Franks, Robert Franks, 32 points as well. Uh, CJ um, Burton coming on, obviously, in 2021, has obviously got the the gel and the mix Hopefully. right. Um, obviously, in the last couple of years, like with every other sport, COVID has sort of made it a little bit hard with getting that combinations right and, and, and gelling quite well. Um, you know, the, the Suns... Their win loss last year was, uh, you know, one of the best in the NBA. Yes. So, it it certainly is a significant win, and and obviously they're playing Oklahoma next. I think in the next day or two, Friday morning at about ten thirty, 
a.m. Um, Adelaide time. Um, It'd be good if they can back up and at least correct. be really competitive again. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, the world's at their feet at the moment. Um, and then obviously once they get back, uh, you know, a week later, uh, Thursday the 13th of October uh, versus the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers at 7pm at the um, Entertainment Centre. Um, you'd really like them to, to start yeah. the, start on fire there as well. Big time. Fantastic. Uh, moving on, um, AFL Masters uh, recently here in Adelaide. Malcolm, I, you're involved? Yeah, I've uh, involved in commentating the games. Um, look, absolutely huge success. 1,232 participants. Um, and so that's your age groups right through from 30 for over 35s, 40s, 45s, 50s, 55s, 60s. A lot of female participation as well. Wow. Um, so it was huge. Um, I certainly know West Adelaide Footy Club, if they'd had their way, that Western Australia wouldn't allow been allowed to go home, that uh, the bar trade at Richmond was virtually... Uh, Ticking over nicely. Yes, way up. Yep. And we were successful in a few of those grades? Yes, over 35s and over 40s. South Australia had a win in the in the men's. But look, I, the main winner of the week was participation. People may, you know, making friendships right around the country. And there was one classic uh, division where Western Australia and Northern Territory both didn't quite have enough players to enter that grade. So they combined. Yep. So the players only met before the first game and they ended up winning that division. Oh, wow. Um, so that was a huge result. Um, it, but the big winner for me, and um, it was interesting, we, we did do a few interviews along the way, and was mental health. That yep. was the overwhelming bit. We were talking about the real scary bit of, of country football at the moment with the leagues winding up and the importance of that. And, you know, Dean Renfrey pl- had his first, played his first footy in 14 years. Uh, Dean, former Nord and South Adelaide player, um, played in the over 60s. And he just said, yeah, he had a blast. And him and his him and his wife played as well. And they've both already said, yep, they're, they're up for Maruchador next year. Yeah. And um, obviously, uh, you know, Getting everybody together and, and actually having a national competition uh, was was great for everybody involved and and obviously you know the big winner as you said was you know people that hadn't played for a while and, and got involved and the economy let's be honest yep. South Australia all of a sudden to have you know one thousand two hundred people out and about yep. you know restaurants uh, a lot of them did the wine tours all that sort of thing is huge and you know after COVID I think. Two years of COVID, it probably did help in terms of building it up and it was a really big event. Yeah, huge success. Great. We're heading up to Gold Coast in 2023. I'm sure we'll send a pretty good contingent up there to try and back up their success this year. All right, moving on, we're going to have a little break now. But coming up after the break, we're going to have a talk about the trade period, which is a a big subject, so we're looking out for that one. And the Crows move to Thebiton, maybe hitting a little bit of a snag. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Yes, so, yeah, the trade period, as we said, it it, it is uh, heating up, like, Words around it looks like Port Adelaide 
and with the Jason Horn Francis is going to be a three-way trade involving West Coast. And look, what's been proposed so far, as far as I'm concerned, Port Adelaide and North Melbourne are the winners and West Coast are the losers out of it. What's been proposed so far that Port move up, they swap eight and two, and there's other draft swaps and it'll be a future as well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit bemused by it that if that does get done, I think Port have done very well. And I, I people doubting Jason Horn Francis. Look, I saw him enough the year before playing for South. You get him back here, get him switched on, I think he will be absolutely huge pick-up for yep. Port Adelaide. You know, t- two ways of thinking about it. Uh, uh, Port, you know, doing the shotgun approach where they're literally approaching anybody and everybody. I mean, obviously they're, they're approaching some pretty good players along the way. Or is it a little bit of a desperate move to somewhat save Kink- Hinkley's career? Maybe. I was probably a bit of both. Look, the word was around, I reckon, probably three months or so ago that Port thought they had Dunkley. Mm-hmm. And then that fell through. Then they approached Graham from Graham from Richmond, but then all of a sudden they managed to find out that hey, no, Jason Horn Francis comes in the equation yep. here, so they sort of changed their own wavelength. So yep. you know, it's it's big. Look, the Crows are going to get Rankin. Yes, look, he is again. He's an extraordinary talent. Hopefully, he gets fit enough to go burst in the midfield as well. Him and Rochelle both mm-hmm. hit a change with burst to give the Crows that desperately need a bit of class through the. Midfield because they've got a lot of honest battlers. I think Darren Burgess is the the master at yeah. getting those type of players right, and I'm sure he'll have a, a pretty big preseason. Yeah, you would hope so because I th- I think the Crows' midfield is just too similar. Lee, Keys, Laird, Berry, Sloan. Yep, it, great tries, but where's the dash? Yeah, where's would the, would, you know. would Graham? I mean, I know he said he, he's. Probably going to stay at Richmond. It looks like that's the way the way it's going to. Would he have been that missing piece? Maybe I don't think so. I, I think he's more. I think he's a he's a bit better in terms of the in and unders than what the Crows have got. But I don't think he would have been the dash explosive pace. Whereas Horn Francis yeah. would have ideally oh, suited the Crows as well. Huge, yeah. And yeah. you know he's he's picked obviously uh, Port and Port only, which. You know, I don't quite agree with. Yeah, nor do I. Um, it, it, I, I understand a player's got a, a, a goal to get home. There are two teams in the town. I'm, I'm not advocating for Port or the Crows on this occasion. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're a player that's playing in Western Australia, South Australia, um, up in Queensland, and you've got uh, an opportunity to uh, to head home to Victoria, you know, you've got a plethora of clubs to choose from. And, you know, occasionally it does seem that, you know, Carlton and... And uh, Richmond and Essendon, they seem to be the ones that generally attract the, the Collingwood, uh, attract the big ones. Well, but on this occasion, I think nominating a club when you've still got a year to go on your contract is a little bit. Yeah, I think it's rich. a bit. I think yeah, I yeah. think it's a bit rich. I think Geelong are the big winners out of today. Absolutely, Bose has nominated them now. Whether he measures up to the mark or not, but they get pick seven with it. Yep. Look, whatever we think of Geelong, the way they've managed to stagger their player payments and them and taught them all the buy-in to reduce. They're the big winners out of that. Absolutely. And, and Geelong have done it well for years. Yes. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're setting up a club and you're, uh, you're trying to get the best out of not only your playing group, your coaching group, but it's really about front of house. And, and yeah. as we've seen, if you don't get your front of house right, 
Um, it, it can be detrimental to the playing list, uh, especially going on. Uh, also, uh, some of the deals that have gone through so far, Carl Amon from Port, obviously a free agent, nominated Hawthorne a long time ago. Bobby Hill, GWS to Collingwood. Uh, Tim Taranto, GWS to Richmond. Jaden Hunt, which was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I I think he's important to Melbourne, so mm. I'm a bit surprised with that one. Yep, absolutely. Um, Blake Akers from Frio to uh, Carlton. Carlton, yeah. Um, uh, McStay, obviously nominated Collingwood. Um, Jones to the Bulldogs. And probably the most interesting one as of yesterday, Tuesday at 5pm, was uh, Melbourne and Port swapping some picks. Port giving back 33, 43 and 53 yeah. for 27. I'm assuming that's in lieu of trying to get the Horn Francis deal done. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably something you need to be in the inner sanctum to actually have it in front of you so it actually makes more sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And Zane Cordy today, Darcy Tucker, Griffin Logue, and some pick swaps between Brisbane and GWS sort of rounds out today. I mean, obviously, we've got 10 days of, of yeah. this, and a, a lot of the big fish probably won't get done until the back end. So we'll watch this one with some, some great interest. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, hang, we'll follow it sort of meekly till the last hour. Absolutely, and usually they're the ones that get done very, very quickly. Excellent. Malcolm, the... Move to Thebiden. Uh, the Crows, obviously, a couple of weeks ago said that's our preferred option. We're going there. Um, but in the, in the last couple of days, uh, obviously, a little bit of public consultation has changed that thinking a little bit. Maybe. I did hear the Mayor interviewed on uh, with Rowie tonight. And it was actually good to hear a councillor talking common sense because I think, personally, Adelaide City Council knocking back what was really a godfather deal mm-hmm. to them to basically bail them out financially on the aquatic centre. For mine, that was an Ikea start your car moment yep. and that they were the big winners. I'm not convinced that Adelaide were. At least with Thebanon, there'll be a social base. Um, you know, with it, And you've got to. You can't not have mm-hmm. a social base with a home base. So you know, I, mean, I think Adelaide out of that way, of it, I think they've escaped a bullet and I just think, Personally, I would have had a vote of no confidence in Adelaide City Council. That's my own opinion. Sure. A lot of the successful clubs have their own social club. They have their own gathering point. Um, yes, it's not right next to the Oval, which you would like, but neither is Port Adelaide. I think it's important. I mean, the Crows had the shed back in the day, and that seemed to be when they were firing the most. It seemed that everyone was reasonably happy with what was going on. The shed was great. After a game, you wandered in there. Um, you did, man. It was quite amusing at one stage that the players weren't meant to be mingling and you still did. Yep. Rocket came over to me one night and said, this is ridiculous, we're not meant to be talking. Yeah. It was just crazy. Yep. Anyway. And and obviously Thebiton becomes a multi-purpose venue, yeah. um, obviously gets their SNFL teams there, gets their AFLW team there, which is a little bit disappointing, I suppose, that at the moment, especially with the AFLW, they have been sharing it around the grounds. There's been, I think, a game at Glenelg, a game at Sturt, I'm sure there'll be a game at Norwood at some yeah. stage. You know, it's nice to share that wealth around, I suppose, for the clubs. Yeah, it, it might be speaking of a little bit out of school here, but I know from talking to a couple of the clubs that financially they did really well out of the, the Amateur League finals. Yep. And bar and catering-wise, far more than an AFLW game. So it's a little bit... It's a bit of balancing act, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's not a, it's I, mean, not I saw a, some vision yes. on. I saw some vision online on Facebook. I think it was the Port district's 
PAC yeah, uh, and it was packed. It was like an SNFL crowd. Oh, there were 5,200 people go. through Nord for the day. That's insane. That's fantastic. And it was. It was a great, a great result. Yeah. And that's what local amateur footy is all about. Yeah. Soccer, mate. World game. Man United versus Man City. What a scoreline. That is uh, that is what you want to see when you go to a soccer game oh. uh, or, the, or the world's game, I should say. Um, you know, 6-3, um, you know, uh, Two players scoring hat-tricks for City. Ha- Harland, third time, third home game. Hat-tricks. Quickest, <laughs> quickest by an absolute mile for three hat-tricks. I think it's eight games. I think the nearest was either 42 or 62. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yep. But, yeah, just incredible. That's that's insane. And, and you know, obviously the EPL is the, the measuring stick, I suppose, especially in England. But, you know, coming back to Adelaide United here, you know, they're starting off their pre-season. They've had three or four games so far with a 3-1 result, win-loss win result. First game this weekend against Wellington. Correct. Uh, Wellington Phoenix. They've got yeah. three games on the road to start the season. Yeah. Which is, which, which is very interesting. You know, you'd, you'd like to either halve those games or, or get away with a couple, yeah. definitely a couple of wins. That would certainly make the... Season start off with a positive start, and, and then they can go on from there. Very quick mention, I admit, I'm a championship person in England. I'm a Queen's Park Rangers fan, and QPR, the mighty R's, had a win overnight against Sheffield United, who were who were the leaders. So, yeah, great night, and QPR have had two away wins in the last four days. So, yeah, the R's are up to fourth, so... Yeah, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a Chelsea supporter, so from that point of view, we'll keep an eye out for those teams throughout the year, and we'll we'll report on some of their games. Yeah. All right, we're going to head off to another break. Stick with us. We've got a special guest from Tennis SA, Dylan Hicks, coming up for five minutes in the clubhouse. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. Welcome back to Five Minutes in the Clubhouse. With the summer season fast approaching, we thought it'd be the best time to talk about some tennis and some tennis events through Tennis SA. Dylan Hicks from Tennis SA and his role as the State League Coordinator has been kind enough to give us his time and a bit of a rundown of what's happening this week and this weekend, especially up in the Riverland. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks, thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, it's good to be here. Fantastic. What events have have you had going on this week and, and obviously leading into the summer? Yeah, so we're actually coming off quite a busy time in South Australia um, with some uh, national events. Uh, we kicked off in the start at the back end of September with a couple of international federation junior tournaments where it was the best eight and unders in Australia competing in a knockout tournament, um, which then followed into our high court nationals, which is our best uh, 12 and 14 under under players in Australia competing for a national title, which um, we completed last Sunday, yeah. even having a couple of South Australians be crown champions in the, in the boys' 14 stubbles, which is good to see. Fantastic. Who have we got to look out look out for in the future? Oh, there, there's there's pl- plenty plenty um, coming up for the ranks, but um, something to look out for is uh, Philip Fantasia um, from Golden Grove Tennis Club, and we've also got um, 
some other players uh, coming up in the ranks too. So Billy Williams was another one of those players from Tea Tree Gully Tennis Club. So they actually uh, faced off each other in the doubles final with uh, some other players from a different state. So it was actually a good spectacle to watch, um, which came down the wire. So that was actually um, quite cool. And you were mentioning, sorry, some other events that have been sort of completed this week. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So we're lucky enough to uh, be up in the Riverland um, the last this week and, and heading into next with a bit of a Riverland swing. So we had our, a junior open series held at Barmer Tennis Club um, over the weekend, which has then led into the Foundation Cup. The Foundation Cup is um, a pathway for our best uh, regional tennis players in the state. Um, we have six regions that compete in this event. They compete in a teams event and an individual event. Um, in the teams event, they represent their region. Um, and then in the individual event, they uh, play the opportunity to um, win their spot into uh, our regional state team, which then competes against um, against other teams in the Queensland Teams Carnival in Queensland in, uh, in December. Um, and they play against the best regional kids from Queensland and then some of the best kids from New South Wales, uh, Queensland City and also the NT. Um, so we have about 170 players up here competing over four days. Wow. Um, and it's really exciting to see over um, 23 courts. I suppose with COVID uh, over the last couple of years, these type of events have sort of been put on the back burner. Would that be right? Well, in South Australia, we've actually been really, really lucky um, that we haven't ever had to cancel Foundation Cup. Um, we were able to put on the event um, with a lot of protocols in the past, um, obviously separating the players when they're off court, but we were able to go ahead and, and play these events the last two years. Unfortunately, um, the state events did get cancelled, so because that won, won their way through to the state opportunity, we were unable to play that, but we still put on a, a local opportunity for them to play, and so they still had something to play for. Okay, well, it's good to get, get them outside, especially during that, that, that period. Um, you oh, talk, absolutely. You, you also talked about this weekend up at the Riverland, we've got the State League All-Stars match. Is this the first time this event's been run? No, it's uh, the second time this event's been run. So um, the first time we ran it was the same time um, this year, last year, and it was held in Port Lincoln. So that was the first time we ran this event. Um, it was an idea that kind of came to us um, at Tennis SA and also we had Port Lincoln Tennis Association at the time. We're really interested in hosting an event up there which brought high-profile players to their region and we came up with the idea to bring eight of the best players locally, which is play in our state league, um, to play with uh, local players from the region. So I guess promoting our best players in the state that play in our highest league, um, competing with the best players from that region and promoting tennis in those regional areas and, I guess, um, giving a reason for the younger players to aspire to play tennis in the future and potentially, you know, um, play in our state league one day, which which obviously we would like to see. And I, I noticed that here the teams were announced on the 21st of September, so that's a couple of weeks ago, but just going through some of the, the, the names um, and some of the clubs, it looks like you've got a, a diverse range of, of players that are, are from e- almost from each club there. Uh, yeah. who's, who's the one to look out for? Who, who's who's going to set the uh, the world on fire this year? Um, so I, I would be saying, so from the women, um, probably up the top there, you've got Sydney Crombie from Seacliff Tennis Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, she won the Player of the Year last year, so she was uh, the strongest um, 
female in that competition for the previous season. Yes. Um, she also was uh, in the team for Seacliff that became the runners-up in the grand final uh, last season. And unfortunately for, for Seacliff, they only lost that in the match tie-break in the last doubles, which came down to the wire. So wow. um, they, they're looking pretty strong as well this season to, to, to go all the way. Great, um, Great for spectators it, when it's that close. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, one of the best final series we've probably seen in a long time. Um, but uh, they did come across uh, Glenlee Tennis Club and uh, in the women's space, they've won the last three uh, state league grand finals. So they are they are a hard team to beat um, and have a very strong lineup. So fantastic. Um, and then in the state league all stars for the men at the top, we've got uh, Ashwin BJ Aragarvan, um, who represents Tidri Gully Tennis Club. So he is an ex uh, Davis Cup player for India, um, and he's uh, moved over to South Australia and. Uh, he would be one of our top players in South Australia now, um, and he captains uh, Tea Tree Gully Tennis Club. So they were lucky enough to, to claim uh, the, their first uh, state league title last year in 17 years. So uh, it was quite the feat for them to get that win after so long um, not being at the top. So um, some really good players there to, to keep an eye out on. And what's the uh, format for the, uh, the event uh, up in, um, in Renmark this, uh, this year? Yeah, so it's a combination of um, the local players from the Riverland Tennis Association. So we have uh, players competing from clubs from Barmer, Cobdogler, Renmark, Loxton and Derry. Um, we open up with a, a local singles for um, the men and the women and they play a, a one-set tiebreaker at 6-all, which then leads into uh, all-stars matches um, where the state league players will play in a, in a men's and, and women's uh, top rubber and a, and a second uh, rubber, which they'll play two sets in a match tiebreak. And then it's our opportunity to mix in the state league players with the regional players. So they'll play a same gender doubles, um, which will be a one set um, to six with a sudden death juice. And then they'll get to play in a mixed as well. So it'll be one state league player competing with a regional player for, for that title of, um, I guess, our second All-Stars title Um which we're excited to see what the outcome of that will be. And uh, just having a little bit of a read about things, um, it's a random draw of players, isn't it? So you might be playing against a, a teammate or you um, it's not the same teams as last year, obviously. Correct. Yeah, so um, how, how the teams are made up is that there's a, the team, there's a team red and there's a team blue mm-hmm. and um, the regional players and also the state league players don't know who they're competing for until the night night um, prior so we actually have a, an event called evening with the stars where their teams are revealed the night before the captains are announced and they all get to know each other less than 24 hours out before playing with each other so it's a bit of a different setup but uh, it's exciting i guess for the players not knowing who they're representing until the night before they play almost like a davis cup draw there where you draw them out the day before yeah, absolutely. That's a good, um, good idea, and, and it's always good because you they've always there's people they've played with before, and there's people they've never played played with before. And um, seeing those matchups sometimes come together is uh, exciting to say because you wouldn't normally see in the, in the state league season where they kind of you know go to the clubs and play with the people that they normally choose to play with. Um, sometimes we see rivals playing with each other on the same team, which which is great to see. Absolutely. And uh, just to finish off on the uh, State League All-Stars, um, Community Day, Saturday, the 8th of October, kicking off at around about 9.30am? Yeah, that's correct. So we've got our um, Red Bull Challenge starting in the morning. So um, what one thing that Tennis SA have been working really hard on is um, 
getting you out to schools and running tennis school carnivals. Um, and the next thing that we look to is to try and link those carnivals back to the clubs um, to get those kids picking up a racket and playing uh, for their club locally. Um, so we've had uh, all those school carnivals just during this school term and we're hoping we have a good turnout on the day of those schools represented um, at their clubs uh, in the Red Bull Challenge. And then obviously the State League match is commencing at around about 11.30 with a fun day to run all through the day, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. We'll have uh, matches kicking off at 11.30 and they'll, they'll play through um, with drinks and the barbecue and uh, we'll have music on and hopefully there's a great vibe down there and that, that will play through the day and then into the night we might have some extra tennis activities out on court afterwards. Absolutely. Well, you heard it, folks. Uh, head on out uh, if you're uh, you know looking for a good day out. Head out to uh, Renmark um, and participate in the events that uh, Tennis SA has got running this weekend. While I've got you here, Dylan, obviously the summer season is definitely around the corner. I'm starting this week or next week. We've got the State League competition. What are the, the, the teams and the clubs to look out for this year? Yeah, so this year we're, we're gone regularly from a 14-round season to a 12-round season this year. And in the men's, we've got seven teams. And in the women's, we've got eight teams. Mm-hmm. In the men's, we've got, our, I guess, our consistent teams, which are in Glen Lee and Tea Tree Gully, which are very consistent in, in normally making finals. And they come with a, quite a strong lineup. Tea Tree Gully will be looking to defend their title. and But there's also some other teams in there. For example, Seaside made their way to the final last year. With quite a young team. They only lost it in the doubles. So it'd be interesting to see if they come strength to strength and make the top four again. Mm-hmm. And in the women, we're probably looking at, as we always do, is Glenley and Seacliff have a great rivalry with each other, playing the last two premierships against each other with Glenley winning. Seacliff have retained the same list that they had last season. Yep with Glenlee losing their number one in Olivia Lay. So she's a very strong, consistent player. She's now moved to New South Wales, so it's made movement for, I guess, other players to step up. And it'll be interesting to see how they go this season. And it's great to see for a first time that we've got eight teams and eight clubs represented in the Women's State League from originally we had six. So it's great to see an increase in players in that league as well and clubs represented. Excellent. And 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 who are the who are the defending premiers? Who are the ones to uh, to to try and go back to back or back to back to back? Well, so we've got Tea Tree Gully. So they're the defending ones, defending for the men. Yeah. As I said earlier, they, they won their first title in 17 years last season. So they'll be looking to try and gra- snag another one, I'm sure. Um, and that their list is very similar to the list that they had last year. And they've got Ashwin leading leading the team there at Tea Tree Gully, one of our State League All-Stars. And yeah. also one of our other All-Stars, uh, Dale Nixon, is also on that Tea Tree Gully list. And in the women, Glenlee, claims three in a row, yep. uh, they'll definitely be looking for their four. Yep. But I can see Seacliff looking to try and overturn the odds this year and they get one themselves. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Dylan. Certainly, if you're uh, out and about on a Saturday and looking for some good tennis, there's definitely going to be a tennis court near you that will be playing some top, top tennis. If you want to see what matches are where and, and when, obviously looking at the Tennis SA's website for any of that information. Great. No, we look forward to seeing as many people out there as possible. Thank you very much, Dylan. And just a little bit of a shout-out, obviously, to your communications and public relations manager, Bree, for setting up this interview at last minute for us. We greatly appreciate it. No worries. I'll definitely pass that on to her. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. Cheers. The 
state league competition is about providing the best possible standard of competition that we can and really providing an opportunity for our best players to compete against each other in a, in a team-space format. And we do that uh, through the state league as well as through the junior state league that we provide for our, our best junior players. Getting to be a part of state league, it's um, obviously one of the, the highest comp of tennis in South Australia and I think it's a really good way to promote the sport. Uh, I think state league's a great opportunity for younger players such as myself and even younger um, to really transition from junior state league into a much uh, tougher competition and really try and develop. It's a great experience and always you know, being around the team and you know, when people are involved and cheering for you, it's always a great experience and it's fun to play that way. It's great to be part of a team atmosphere as it takes some of the individual pressure off, i.e. comparing to like a tournament or so. It's a, a great opportunity to give other people um, chances to play state league as well. Uh, well, team atmosphere is great. I've known a lot of these people for a long time and you form really special bonds kind of playing state league together against you know, other great competitors. Um, you know, those rivalries that you have throughout the years, the matches that you play, um, you know, you remember those for the rest of your life and, you know, it's a great opportunity and privilege to play in the State League. The support of Statewide Super has been really great for the State League competition and it means we've been able to take competition from strength to strength over a number of years and will continue to do so into the future. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy Days. Welcome back. We've got uh, Ollie Wines turning 28 this week. Pretty fair play, Malcolm. Let's go through some of these stats. Currently played 203 games. Got a winning percentage of 58.13. His best record against any club is St Kilda. He has a 9-1 and record. Certainly loves playing the Saints. His worst record is against Geelong, 4-11. and Always tough down at Cadinia Park. I'm sure there's probably been a few yep. games down there. John Cale medal in 2001. Best and fairest runner-up in 2016 and 2018. Captain in 2019. Gavin Wanganeen award in 13, 14, 15. Obviously the Brownlow in 2021. All-Australian in 2021 as well. Remarkable for such a young player. He's had a very successful career. You know, there's a little... There was worries whether he'd stay originally. Yep. You know, had some family you know, tragedy along the way, but he's been a... You know, he's, just, he's a stalwart and a very good player. Continues to be a great servant of the uh, Port Adelaide Football Club. McLaren, 1985, driver Alan Prost wins his first World World Drivers' Championship. A huge success, you know. I think that was back when, I've got to be honest, I followed Grand Prix far more back then. Yep. Yeah, the, it, it was the era and Prost was one of the guns. And, and 1985 was the first year, actually, that Adelaide hosted yeah. the Adelaide Alive Grand Prix and what a success that was. Oh, it was huge. 1993, MJ, Michael Jordan, announces his retirement after nine seasons and three championships. But then returns, comes back 95 to win three more. What can you say? For me, look, he's my favourite ever basketballer. He's the GOAT for me. You know, there's other people who debate that, you know, LeBron, etc., and all that, but for me... I think the classic case with some of these sports, like we talked about last week with the tennis in the, the a bit more of the Mount Rushmore, you've sort of yeah. got four choices to try and pick, and certainly you've got Michael Jordan in that in that category. And you're right, you know LeBron and 
and Co certainly definitely yeah. up there as well. And in 2018, Rugby Championships, Australia comes back from 31-7 at half time against Argentina to win 45-34. Been interested to know what they would have been paying on the tote at half time on the betting margins. Yeah. Bet responsibly, of yeah, course. But uh, that's a big turnaround. I mean, you know, you, you just got to wonder what is being said at half time um, uh, to the players to, to have that kind of turnaround. Certainly a huge comeback. So, let's say, what have we got? You know, in the second, second half, 38 to 3 in the second half, basically. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this Incredible. is a huge turnaround. I think something like five tries and, and, yeah. and obviously converted from there. So well done to the Australian rugby team on that time and hopefully they can have some success again in the near future. Yeah. Extra time. Big finish. So, extra time, the big finish. All right, let's roll into that. Keeping with the trade theme at the moment, we're going to do a little bit of deal or no deal. My first one to you, Lawrence Angwin. Pick seven. Look, he had a lot of personal problems. It was a no deal for me, well and truly. And it was a no deal as far as James Fantasia was concerned. And James, at that stage, was the Adelaide recruiting officer. And he made Adelaide Football Club put that in four different spots in the minutes to make sure that he was covered. He's, he foresaw the immense problems potentially coming. And that was Adelaide's highest pick up until yes. that point from memory as well. That was Gary Ayres made that call. Wow. Okay. Yep, so from deal or no deal, Wayne Carey for pick two at 18. 31 at the time. You know, hindsight with a lot of these deal or no deals, especially the first two being a, a previous deal or no deal, probably wouldn't do it again. But you wouldn't, but for me it was, I think, We've got to remember, Wayne Carey ran into a goalpost at Football Park. He kicked eight the previous week, was just starting to absolutely dominate and be the Wayne Carey, the dominant player in the competition. And he was never the same after that. Now, how are you going to know that he was going to run into a goalpost? Yep. Two and 18, maybe a touch expensive. Yeah, maybe. Again, back then, you know, the the point system wasn't included and, and future picks weren't included. So maybe it was the right deal at the time, but... Didn't work out, unfortunately. He got the goalpost in a spot which the padding didn't protect it, so yeah. he was so unlucky. Yeah, absolutely. Heading to deal or no deal again, but someone a little bit more recent, Jordan Degoe. Look, for mine, it's a big... It's, he's such a huge risk. You you really worry what... The football's not the question. Mm-hmm. It's what he's going to do off the ground, and people querying that, you lose sponsorship out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney are muted as the one of the clubs that were keen on him for potentially pick 14, 17, 35 to Collingwood for him. But as you said, there's that unknown factor yeah. that you know doesn't suit Sydney when you think about their particular the Bloods culture. He may not fit into that, or it might straighten him out. It's it's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? But he is staying at Collingwood. But he is end, staying so. at Collingwood, exactly right. So yeah. we're not doing him. Yep. All right. What's gone wrong with Essendon and North Melbourne? It's... It's almost become a, com- a comedy. North Melbourne, I feel a little bit more sorry for, but Essendon, oh my goodness. And wow. you, you can almost throw Hawthorne into that yeah. mix, mix yeah. right now as well. I mean, um, you know, Essendon lose their CEO after a day. North Melbourne lose their coach after a fortnight or two or three weeks. You've had an extraordinary week with Essendon. Like Kevin Sheedy, I'm sorry, as a person, and I'm sure you have as well, been on boards and committees, 
you sit in there and you debate it, but when you come out in the room, it's a united Not voice. A front, yeah. Um, it was extraordinary behaviour. It was just bizarre and not on. All he did was immediately put more pressure on Brad Scott. And then this latest thing, it's just a lack of due diligence. It's just staggering. I mean, if the media can find it in oh. two and a half minutes on a on a website, I'm very surprised that whoever was in charge of doing their, their due diligence and their background check that they may not have... Pick that up. I mean, it just seems just staggering. And it's probably not what Essendon want right now, considering that, you know, there was all the hoo-ha over James Hurd, oh. is he, isn't he, then, and then the Sheedy, and then appointing Scott, and then this happens. It's just a, a perfect storm at the moment for Essendon. I mean, North Melbourne have obviously gone through it in the last 12 months, but, yeah, where does that leave North Melbourne and Essendon? Oh, look, I think um, got summed up. Danny Hanson on Facebook last night said... Uh, you know, will Vladimir Putin be Essendon's number one ticket holder? You know, it was a joke. And you've got to admit, Essendon deserved that at the moment. Yeah, yep. extraordinary. We'll watch that one with great interest as the year unfolds. FLW, um, you know, we want to make sure we promote the women's game uh, as much as possible. But two big wins in the last uh, two weeks for the Crows. Uh, oh, look, 90, a, 96 points and 60 points, respectively. I'm a massive fan of women's footy. It's been absolutely vital at community level for saving clubs. And, you know, we're back on the country bandwagon again. And thank yep. goodness for women's footy. Absolutely. But I think they've just expanded too quick. I really do. There's not the quality of players for, th- for these teams, so many, just too quickly. And we're getting, you know, Port scored three points. Uh, another game GWS or a point. By point, yep. point yeah look it's they've just expanded too quick the first two years were you know that experiment where you know you just needed to get something up and running and then it sort of blossomed in year three and year four you seemed to get the right mix the games were tight you know there was a lot more interest and then like you said the expansion clubs has just sort of thinned out the the talent pool just a little bit at this stage yeah. because the community clubs haven't had those players in their doors for long enough to help develop them into to good players i mean certainly in Five years, Five years' time, time yep. it's going to be a fantastic product, and Very and much I, so. can't, I can't, I really can't wait to see it. Yeah. And and you know the, the AFL season as it's going to develop, we'll certainly see that. Look, and I admit, I can't, I still can't fathom why the AFLW for me, where it was started, starting in February when everyone you've know, gone through cricket, it's after Christmas, you start to crave footy. I reckon that was the perfect spot. Yep. As far as I'm concerned, if a national reserves competition starts up. The sample that is the way to go. Start in February, get some air time, get some bases of some momentum, play some double headers at night. And to finish off and close the show, once again, we promise to do better. We've survived two episodes so far. We've covered a range of topics today and we look forward to what next week brings and get a couple of interviews with a couple of players from the country leagues, especially with what's going on up at the Mallee. And, you know, we also want to continue to have a look at doing our Nord show in the next couple of weeks as well. Thanks, Malcolm. Thank you, everybody. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.